welcome to my hearth. Now, I said at the end of the previous episode that we'd start to have a little think about iconography. It's a word which really comes from the world of painting and literally means an image which has a meaning other than its literal meaning. I'll give you an example. If you see a skull in a painting, then it's probably a symbol of death or mortality. Sometimes the image is as simple as that. If you see an image of an apple in a painting, could that be to do with Adam and Eve? Is it a symbol of temptation? Or is it just to do with a symbol of love? The layers of meaning can be even more complex. If we think about the computer company Apple, their logo is an apple with a bite taken out of it. So what's the hidden meaning in that? The more these images layer up, then obviously the more complex the hidden meaning could be. In the very popular novels of Dan Brown, the images become clues in a treasure hunt. And very often treasure hunts do have an iconography to do with them. Writers create images with words, but it's the images themselves that have the iconography which causes the layers of meaning. As you can see, this whole area could become very complicated and there are certain people who spend their lives analysing and trying to interpret the meaning of these symbols and pictures. I'm going to give you a very strong example which shows how complex this can be. Let's consider in medieval art the depiction of the Virgin Mary. The reason I'm using this as an example is we do at least know who the Virgin Mary is in literature and we do know certain symbols that are connected with her. If you take a moment to consider what you know of the Virgin Mary and think the kind of images that you would expect to be in a picture of her. We think of her being given the news of Jesus' impending birth and the fact that it's, the news is being delivered by an angel means that you might expect to see an angel with her. You might expect to see her after the birth with a child in a stable with a child in a manger. When the three wise men, the magi, visit her in the stable, they bring gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh, and those very objects themselves have a hidden meaning. Gold is a symbol of kingship. Frankincense is a symbol of prayer. It's very often used in incense itself. And myrrh was one of the spices that was used to help wrap and inter a human body. Thus the presents are symbols of kingship, spirituality 
and human death. Not the usual things to give to a baby as their christening presents. Now as the Virgin Mary got more important in medieval worship, she appeared in more images, and she herself became her own icon. Medieval people may have used images of her to help with their own spiritual devotions. She represents motherhood, she represents purity, she represents love. In the medieval world, one of the possibilities of love was to find perfect love, spiritual love, non-physical love. A pure man, who is often represented as a knight, would want to worship the lady that he loves, but she has to be unattainable. Like the story of Rapunzel, the knight is worshipping a lady who lives in a tower that he cannot reach. The knight and his lady become the symbols of perfect love. It's a bit like the medieval story of Abelard and Eloise, which are people who literally write letters to each other, but they never meet, although they have perfect love. Sometimes the medieval writers and poets describe this as courtly love. It's their version of spiritual love. There are many words that convey the different aspects of love, but pure love in itself is very hard to achieve. So if we see a picture of the Virgin Mary, she is often portrayed as a lady in a high tower. And there are going to be various signs and symbols around her which help convey the iconography that people in the medieval times believed about her. If we consider some of these signs and symbols, it helps us to understand what we have in our own lives, which is connected with iconography. The first image is a flower. Now, throughout our lives, flowers have all sorts of meanings. In fact, the Victorians talked about the language of flowers. If you want to tell someone that you care about them or you love them, then you can give them flowers. And those flowers can have a meaning. We very often associate love with red roses. But roses also have another meaning. They're also associated with Christ, because roses have thorns, and the crown of thorns could have been made of roses. Roses can have a deeper meaning, especially if they're red. They can symbolise blood. When I was younger, obviously my family had been involved in two world wars, and they were very concerned if someone was suggesting that you sent a bouquet of flowers which had red and white flowers in it. My grandma always used to say to me, 
don't send a bouquet with just red and white flowers in it because it represents blood and bandages. And they thought that it was an ill omen from the war. If you wanted to let people know that you were thinking about them, uh, you might send them forget-me-nots or pansies, which comes from the French word penser, literally mean thinking of you. Now, the Virgin Mary has her own flower. It is the white lily, representing purity. Now, that in itself has been turned into a symbol, the fleur-de-lis, the flower of the lily. Brides used to always carry lilies in their bouquet because of that, as a symbol of the Virgin Mary. Lilies have also become associated with the flowers that you give someone at their funeral because of the association with the Virgin Mary and death, the purity. There is a colour associated with the Virgin Mary. If you go into a church where there might be an image of the Virgin Mary as a statue, she is very often dressed in blue. Blue is associated with the things of heaven. Before Queen Victoria got married, because she got married in white, and therefore the fashion for brides to be dressed in white followed her, brides used to wear blue. We still have a tradition for a bride, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and that blue is, is in honour of the Virgin Mary. The medieval painters got even more layered. The Virgin Mary has an iconography of a fruit. And lots of people assumed that that was going to be an apple. But think about it. The apple is a symbol of Adam and Eve and the fall. So that's not going to work for someone connected with purity and spotlessness. We are not told in the Bible what the fruit is that Eve tempts Adam with, but we do know that it grows on a tree. Therefore, the fruit associated with the Virgin Mary in medieval art was the strawberry, because obviously a strawberry does not grow on a tree. Not only that, if you cut a strawberry in half, it looks like a heart. And that's one of the iconographies of medieval sainthood, the Sacred Heart. I hope you can see that all these symbols together start to create a complex and layered iconography of its own. But we also have to consider the animal associated with the Virgin Mary. Now, in medieval storytelling, that animal is the unicorn. So why is that the case? Well, traditionally, or in several stories, a unicorn will only come when they are summoned by a virgin. And of course, the ultimate virgin is the Virgin Mary. As always with me, because I'm a bit rebellious, I always ask the question, how did the unicorn get into the tower? 
but I suppose you have to accept that certain things happen miraculously in these pictures. So I hope you can see that these things build up a meaning of their own. There are several urban myths that get associated with iconography. I don't know if you've seen the Van Eyck portrait, which is sometimes called the Arnofini marriage, where you see a couple who are reflected behind in a mirror. People suggested that the way the picture was painted and the reflection being there, that it wasn't just a painting of a marriage, but it was actually a marriage contract. However, I understand that this is now being discredited. As I always say, if you are interested in any of this iconography, then do take it further. There may be a specific area that you're interested in. If you watch the Antiques Roadshow on the BBC, the jewellery team are very good at explaining the meaning, the, the language of gems and jewellery. That's a whole area of meaning in itself. Jewels can represent and celebrate all the different journeys of people's lives. Everything from marriages, engagements, to mourning jewellery, celebrating someone after they've died. So now that we've considered iconography and the part that it might play in a journey in its symbolism and meaning, we need to go on to more controversial stuff. And next time we'll consider whether the life of Christ in the Bible is an odyssey. <laughs>